It's good to be here, isn't it? Yeah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Let me hear you say that. Come on, people. Be. Amen, amen, amen. I want to thank you, Pastor, for giving me this opportunity to stand before the congregation and declare the word of the Lord. And this morning, I want to greet all of you and say that there is no other name in heaven or in earth and by which man can be saved except by the name of Jesus. Do we all agree with that? Amen, amen. I was listening to Christy talk about the time of fasting and I want to talk to you this morning uh, from what what the Lord gave, put on my heart. And in fact, I'm gonna entitle this message, Our Heart Toward God our heart toward God. And I want to challenge you this morning because I want you to think about why we are fasting. And we don't do it out of some annual ritual. We do it because it's a purpose. Fasting is a way of humbling ourselves before Almighty God. It's an important opportunity for the Holy Spirit to shine his light on us. It's a time for us to pray and think about our purpose. You see, our salvation was paid for with a purpose. Jesus' blood was shed for our sins, and his plan for us is to live out his kingdom here on earth. That's what the Lord's prayer is all about. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And what God is looking for from from us, he, he wants to have an intimate relationship with us. His cry is intimacy with his people. However, we're living among a generation of people whose hearts has become callous and cold toward the things of God. As a matter of fact, it has become unconcerned, apathetic, disengaged, indifferent to the things of God. And I want to say, church, if we're not careful, we'll become like the Old Testament Christians in the book of Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah went to the Israelites with a message, a message of deliverance, to announce the message that God was going to bring judgment if they didn't repent. The message was so dangerous that the people hearing it called Jeremiah a traitor. He was misunderstood. He was persecuted. He was arrested. He was imprisoned. All because of this message. The message put his life in danger. That nation didn't want to hear the truth. But Jeremiah plainly told them they were defying the Lord. He told them they were disobeying God's law and destined for his judgment. You see, Jeremiah's task, it wasn't easy because he had to sound the alarm to a nation that didn't want to hear the message. He denounced the people, he denounced the priests, the princes, and all their sins, especially the sin of idolatry. 
the nation of Judah turned their back on the Lord and was following false prophets who led them to worship idols. Judgment was coming. He wanted to know, he wanted them to know that their salvation was not in the pagans, the pagan and the idols that they were worshiping. Jeremiah said to them, the heathen God cannot deliver you. He said this to them. He says, look, as far as them bringing salvation, these idols have cost you. It has cost you your cattle. It has cost you your children because you have sacrificed them. You have done this in hope of having salvation, but instead, it has been your destruction. These idols have brought you nothing but shame to your lives. Mm. You know, I don't want a salvation like that. Amen. I don't need a salvation like that. I want a salvation that established in the word of the Lord. I'm not interested in a salvation that I got to chant, hum, or stand on my head and do yoga rituals or any other type of rituals. I want a salvation that's going to hold me accountable. I'm not looking for spirituality. Spirituality does not hold me accountable. That doesn't work for me. I want a salvation that says, I know a man that was born of a virgin. He was laid in a manger. He walked on this earth for 33 years, a sinless life. He died on a cross, suspended from heaven to earth, head locked between his shoulders, looked out and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. I'm talking about a man named Jesus. He changes not. He stands forever. His word is good today, tomorrow, and forever. The Bible says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That's beyond changes. Matthew 10, 35 says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. I don't know about you, but that's where I'm hanging my salvation. I'm not hanging it on idols. You see, goats and chickens and turtle doves, they didn't do it for us then and they can't do it for us now. It's on Christ, the solid rock, that we stand. And all other ground is sinking sand. You know, it's too often, too often we glamorize this evil. We excuse grave sins and we count them as no big deal. Our movies and other forms of entertainment glamorizes violence Greed, fornicating, yes. it glamorizes gangster rap all the way up to the high-class house of cards. We glamorize it. We laugh at it. We dance to it. And too many people think that God doesn't care that they're in sin. God cares. Yes, he does. And he loves us. But his love never delights in what's wrong. God is calling for the Israelites to return to their first love. The Lord has appointed Jeremiah, who was a prophet, to take the message to Judah. He says, go tell them 
I'm going to bring judgment. Go tell them to come back to me. So, so Jeremiah gives this message to the Israelites. He says, Israelites, this is what the Lord says. Backslid in Israel. I will not cause my anger to fall on you. For I am merciful, says the Lord. I would not remain angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquities. That you have transgressed against the Lord your God. Admit that you've been pulling strangers in and having sex under every green tree. And that you have not obeyed my voice. Return, O backslidden children, for I am married to you. That was the message that God had Jeremiah to give to the people. And that's the message for the church. You see, backsliding has become a very common feature in the church. And here are some of the reasons that people backslide. The attractiveness of the world may be proved to be too much. Perhaps we get discouraged by the pressures of life's trials. And maybe we have been deceived by the craftiness of men or demons. And it may be that we have become careless in our walk with the Lord and have gradually fallen away. But God is calling his people back to him. And what he said to Israel is just as applicable for us today. Come back. Come back, church. Because I have loved you with an everlasting love. Amen? Amen. This morning, I want to make reference to three parables in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can open them. And the three parables that I'm going to talk about is the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. I'm going to read it. I'm going to start them with verse uh, 3. Then Jesus told this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, that is the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who did not repent. The parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In, this, in the same way, she tells you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The parable of the lost son. 
Jesus continued, and there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. He divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a phantom in the country, whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back home to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men so that I, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was Still a long ways off, his father saw him, filled with compassion, ran to him, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm going to stop there. I want to talk about these passages this morning. And the first one that I want to talk about is the lost sheep. The lost sheep is a picture of a born-again believer who backslid. He went astray because he lacked fellowship. He was in the church, but he wasn't, didn't have enough strength in his relationship with the Lord. So he was drugged down by his surroundings. Or perhaps he did not have fellowship with other believers. And thus, he went astray. If that sheep had stayed in the midst of the flock, he would have been safe. But his self-confidence caused him to stray away. The lost coin. You see, the lost coin was lost due to a very different reason. It was lost because of the failure of the woman. Now, the woman is a picture of the church. She was careless in taking care of her coins. That coin was a silver coin. And silver was used to redeem the firstborn children of Israel in the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 18, verse 16. So the silver coin speaks of a redeemed child of God, once saved, but now is lost. This backslider is primarily due to the failure of the church. You see, the pastor didn't preach God's word. Instead, he read from Reader's Digest. And he preached wonderful motivational messages. And so his soul became depleted so he started looking other places for fulfillment. In the church, 
every one of us have a responsibility to keep our brothers and sisters from falling. So this parable is directed not just at the backslider as much as it is as the members of the church, the woman who was careless enough to allow the coin to get lost, the lost son. The younger son represents yet another type of backslider. He is one who is impatient. He wants to launch out on his own before God's called him to launch. He's got his money. He's got his stuff from his father. But now that he's gotten it, he rebels against his father and decides, I'm going to leave home. This son, this son, he's a picture of a believer that doesn't want discipline. Here is a believer who wants to receive everything he can from God. But after he receives everything, he leaves. See, these are the backsliders. So don't get mad with me. But these are the backsliders that come to church when they need a prayer. These are the ones that come when they need a blessing. They get what they need, and then they leave. And then they come back when they need another blessing. So what do we as the church do? We bless them. We bless them, and we love them with an everlasting love. You see, we can't get confused about the message. We can't get confused about our mission. Our mission is to be like Jesus. Yeah. The good shepherd went to the lost sheep until he found him. He looked for him until he found him. And we got to have that same attitude about the loss. We got to look for them until we find them. Amen. We got to call them home. Let them know God is still here. God loves them. We must go after those who are backslidden from the church. And their backslidden could have been because of carelessness. It could have been because of satanic uh, uh, deception or they could be running after their own lust. It doesn't matter. We have to have a longing for the sheep just like the shepherd does. Because God tells us that we have to be, we have to be sheep, we have to be shepherds after his own heart. That's all of us. That's not just for the pastor, that's for all of us. God is looking for Christian people to go after his sheep, to go after the world with the gospel. The woman who lost her silver coin was eager to find it. And she did two things. She lit a, a lamp and she swept the house diligently. And if we're going to be the church, we cannot be the world. We can't be double. We can't live in both kingdoms. It don't work. We got to preach the gospel and not a motivational message. We have to preach in season and out of season. Yeah. We got to preach when, it's, when people want to hear it and we got to preach when they don't want to hear it. Amen? Amen? The lost son, 
the lost son, the father of the prodigal son, he didn't go looking for his son when he was lost. He allowed his son to reap the consequences of his rebellion. And when his son came to himself, he came home on his own. He was not carried home on anybody's shoulder like the lost sheep. He came back when he was totally sick and tired of himself. God's love for such a backslider is shown by allowing him to reap what he sown. That's a hard lesson. And many times we're so quick to criticize people that get lost, the lost sheep, those that backslide. We're so quick to criticize them, saying they shouldn't have wandered off. But God is calling for us. He's calling for us as Christians after his own heart. For us to go after the lost and bring them back to the fold. Somebody shout glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. I want to conclude this message this morning. You know, I don't stand before you long. But I want to conclude this message this morning with a story that I want to tell you. I want to tell you about the lost keys. On September 2nd of last year, I was helping my family prepare for our family reunion. And my sister and I had the task of shopping for all the items that they had forgotten. So as I walked into Food Line, a woman was standing by the shopping cart, searching through her purse. And as we passed her, she looked directly in my eyes. And so I said to her, is is there a problem? And she said, yes, I'm looking for my keys. So I assured her, I said, you know, you drove here, your, your keys are not lost. They're probably in the vehicle. You may have dropped them in there. Why don't you go back and check to see if you dropped your keys in the vehicle? My sister and I continued with our shopping. So we finished, and now we're at the checkout line. And this woman is now standing beside our register, telling me again, my keys are lost. So this time, I told her, I said, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you find your keys. So I prayed, God, help this woman to find her keys. I said, Lord, send an angel, wherever it is, wherever her keys are, send an angel to go get her keys and bring them back. So we started out, went to the car, started putting our groceries in the trunk. And in the midst of doing that, the family reunion people called again to give us more items to pick up. So back in the store we go. We purchased these other items and the cashier that we had before tells us that the woman found her keys. He said, she said, this is what happened. She said, while she was standing, checking out, her keys fell off the counter into a plastic bag 
and the customer behind her in line, groceries, was put in that bag. This all happened. So while we were shopping, the person who had the keys brought the keys back. So I said to my sister, let's go out there and catch her and tell her how much God loves her. We got, in her, we got to her vehicle, and I said to her, I said, ma'am, you know, God really loves you. He cares so much about you. The woman got out of her van. She stood there and began to cry. She said, I wasn't supposed to find those keys at that time. Because if I did, I would have done something terrible. She said, I'm having problems in my marriage, and the pressure is just too much. And if I had those keys at that time, it wouldn't have been good. At that moment, my sister and I began to pray for her. We prayed against that spirit of brokenness. We bind the works of the darkness in the name of Jesus. Yeah. We pleaded the blood of Jesus over her. Yeah. We called her out of darkness into God's marvelous light. We called her into the abundant life of Jesus Christ. When we finished praying, she looked at us and she hugged us and she said, thank you. She said, I am a Pentecostal and I'm in a backslidden position. She said, I believe in speaking in tongues. I grew up doing this. She said, but I've just been going through. This morning, I want to say to you what I said to her. It's going to be all right. Because God loves you. God cares about you. He can restore the loss. He can take back what the devil has stolen. Go back. Go back to God. Be faithful. And he will be faithful to you. Glory. Glory. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. You see, those keys are significant because keys are a power of a, a symbol of authority. And you see, this sister, she got her keys back. Yes, she did. She came back to her, she came to herself and remembered who she was in Christ. She was a Christian that she got her authority back. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus says to Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loosen on earth shall be loosened in heaven. Hallelujah. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes we all experience loss. And maybe you feel like you've lost something. I want to tell you something. God can restore the loss. Satan does not have victory over your situation. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's your grandchildren. I don't care if it's your husband. I don't care if it's your wife. I don't care if it's your children. Satan does not have the victory. Jesus holds the keys. And I want you to ask yourself this morning, what have I lost? I want you to remember that we serve a God that has all power in his hand. 
So I want to tell you, I want you to tell yourself today, not tomorrow, today, today I'm going back to the enemy's camp and I'm going to take back what I've lost. Yeah. The Bible says in Job 22, 28, that you will, be, you will also declare and decree a thing and it shall be established. Would you stand with me? And the worship team, you can come on up. This morning, I want to make some decrees on your behalf. And if you agree with the decrees that I'm going to make, I want you to say, I agree. Okay? Let's do that. I agree. I agree. Come on, come on. Everybody get it. I agree. I receive it. Say, I receive it. I receive it. Okay. May the spirit of the living God remembers everyone who's here today. I declare and decree whatsoever the enemy stole from you but will be restored back to you in the name of Jesus. I decree and declare that my lost family members will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ Get saved and talk about the goodness of the Lord. The curse, I the curse over you, your family, your bloodline has been destroyed in the name of Jesus. It is the will of God that it may be well with you. It is the will of God that it may be well with you. Sickness is not your portion. In the name of Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. Therefore, I am entitled to a covenant of kindness and favor. I decree and declare the favor of God is upon my life. I Jesus Christ died on Calvary for your life. It is his perfect will that we move from glory to glory. Stagnation is not our portion. I the curse of stagnation is limited and the curse of stagnation and limitation is destroyed over your life in Jesus' name. I in the name of Jesus, you will prosper. I, I bless you in the name of Jesus and decree and declare it is well with you. I Amen. 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 Amen.